Welcome back to our fourth post-game edition of Head of the Pack. It's about 1.30 in the morning. Bill and I coming to you live from the lobby of the Lambeau Field press box here uh, on the seventh floor at Lambeau Field. Surprise, surprise, another Packers win 30-16 to over the Atlanta Falcons for the first time in the 101-year history of the Green Bay Packers. They have scored 30 points, at least 30 points, in the first four games of the season uh, 14-point win over the Falcons tonight. You never really got the sense that it was close. It was probably uh, more of a blowout than the final score indicated. The stars of the, of the night, Robert Tanyan, three touchdown catches. Zadarius Smith, three sacks. Aaron Rodgers, another dominant performance. I thought the defense overall played pretty well, but we'll start with Tanyan. Bill, you've covered this guy's whole career. I've only been here for the past two seasons, but this is a guy who goes undrafted in 2017 as a converted tight end out of Indiana State. Doesn't really do much the last couple of years, has that big hip injury. And before the season, I remember we, we were talking, you know, this is a guy who needs to be an X factor. And no Devontae Adams, no Alan Lazard tonight, and Tanyan steps up. What did you think of the night he had? He was fantastic. It's not that you say he was a converted receiver. He was, he played quarterback to start his career before he moved to receiver. <laughs> so this guy's really taken the taking the long path. But you know, I, I think it was Rob Domofsky who put it out on Twitter where what, what did Jimmy Graham had five touchdowns in two seasons? Was that what Rob said? Five touchdowns in thirty-two games in two seasons. Well, I guess it was thirty-four since the two playoff games last year for God knows how much more money than they're paying Tanyan. <laughs> and now Tanyan has five in four games this season. They didn't cover him, for one thing. I mean, man, the Falcons defense <laughs> is just a horror show. I mean, that, I think it was the third touchdown. He got tackled, and then he got up and just kept running to the end zone, and they threw it to him. But, you know, that being said, though, he is, he's got that explosive element that they just haven't had in a long time. I mean, he's, I mean, he's got some wheels. He's got terrific hands. Um, you, you mentioned that he had to become an X-Factor. That, that is exactly what he's become. He has been a, a true weapon, and they certainly needed him tonight. Yeah, and it was funny what he told us when I asked him about that kind of barrel roll touchdown. He was kind of jammed off the line, held the, the safety. Jamal Carter, I believe his name was from the mm-hmm. Falcons, was called for defensive holding on the play. Tanyan does the barrel roll. And I asked him about that play, and he goes, yeah, I've been doing yoga. That, that kind of really helped me get right back up. And like you said, he, he was wide open. They didn't really cover him. And uh, I think with Jimmy Graham leaving, the Packers' offense, not that Jimmy Graham was this, but not since Jermichael Finley maybe, although he was kind of more inconsistently this. Jared Cook maybe a little bit too. You could attest more to that than I can, but – this offense and Aaron Rodgers has not really had a dynamic pass-catching tight end in his career. And I'm not saying Tanyan will be that the entire season, but he's shown the ability uh, to do that for a three-game stretch here in which he's had five touchdown catches. The first time he's had touchdown catches in consecutive games, let alone three straight games since October 2016 at Indiana State. And a couple interesting stats. I know you're a stats guy. So he's the first player in Packers history to go undrafted and catch three touchdowns in a game. And he's also the third tight end in Packers history to catch three touchdowns in a game along with Keith Jackson in 1996. I was a a prime one-year-old when that happened. (laughs) And uh, Jermichael Finley in 2011. So uh, a banner night for Tanyan. And really, 
he said it after the game. It doesn't happen if he doesn't have Rodgers. And, I mean, his number – listen, you said the caveat of the Falcons' defense is garbage, but 27 for 33, 327, four touchdowns. He now has 13 touchdown passes and no interceptions through four games. And we talked – and, Bill, you brought this up last time. You know, is this real for Rodgers? Is it just a mirage? Do we buy into all this? I'm better off the field so I can be better on it. And, you know, he has proven in every which way that he can. Is this sustainable, do you think? And is this uh, an MVP season that we could be looking at? Yes and yes. I mean, he, tonight he had four touchdowns, six incompletions with a bunch of guys that, other than Packer, I mean, our listeners certainly do, but, you know, the, the national television audience, they might have heard of Marquez Valdez-Scantling. They certainly have never heard of Darius Shepard. They've never heard of Tyler Irvin. They've never heard of Malik Taylor. They probably never Reggie heard of Robert Tanyan. They never, never, I mean, literally, other than Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, they probably hadn't heard of any of these guys. I mean, talk about, I mean, there's, there's household names, and then I don't, I don't know what you would describe these guys. On how, I mean, apartment names? I have no idea. I have not making up <laughs> someone at this on, point. So, <laughs> Someone on Twitter used uh, Rodgers is going to win MVP because he's thrown electricians off the street every week. And that's a fair way to put it. I mean, and people forget, they signed Devin Funchess in free agency to be their number two or number three wide receiver. He opts out of the season after um, he unfortunately had a death in his family over because of COVID. And so they're without their top three wide receivers, including Funchess, for this game. But for as much as people want to say, oh, they should have drafted a wide receiver, why do you need a wide receiver if you have a future Hall of Fame quarterback who can literally throw anyone open? And granted, Rodgers didn't make those wow throws tonight because the Falcons' defense was just leaving people open left and right. But, you know, he makes these guys look better than another quarterback would, would make them look. Is that is that a fair statement? Yeah, isn't, isn't that what the great ones do, man? I mean, we've seen it with Brady over the years. I mean, Brady's had... Yeah, he had the years with, with Randy Moss, but he's also had the years when, when Wes Welker was or Julian Edelman were his guys. I mean, this is what this is what great quarterbacks do. This is why great quarterbacks get paid boatloads of money is to kind of carry the team on their shoulders. And he is he's a, look, I picked the Falcons to win tonight. I picked the Falcons Ooh. to win rather rather handily. I just thought Matt Ryan, Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones against these guys. I mean, Rodgers is great, but how in the hell I mean He's going to play catch of himself, but I, I just I, I underestimated Ryder's greatness. He's I know I know Russell Wilson's having a great year, and it, we're four games into this and all that stuff. But to do what he did tonight with with that group of um, less accomplished players is absolutely remarkable. Yeah, I would he's say in, just Rod- in total control, man. Yeah, I agree. I would say Rodgers and Russell Wilson are the two front runners with Josh Allen. The Buffalo Bills quarterback shortly behind, or uh, not far behind them for in the early season MVP race, and Patrick Mahomes. You you got to throw him in there, obviously. Um, I want to talk defense a little bit because we haven't really given much praise to the defense the first three games of the season, and rightfully so, they haven't been very good. But the Falcons aren't. You know, the Falcons might be garbage on defense on offense or not is that French? It's, it's 136 in the morning <laughs> you can't take anything i say seriously here um yeah garbage i meant garbage on defense but on offense they're they're good they, they came into this game granted it's only three weeks but with the sixth highest scoring offense in the league 
Uh, the Packers hold them to 16 points. And they played pretty well on defense. I know Julio Jones didn't play in the second half because uh, of his hamstring injury, and, and now it looks pretty smart that the Packers held Devontae Adams out. Um, but Calvin Ridley had no catches on five targets. And like Matt LaFleur, I'll have to go back and watch the tape to see if the guy who I think was covering him the most of the night was. But And this is a little tease to a, a nice deep-dive feature story I'll have coming after the bye week. Jair Alexander is a star. I don't even want to say he's a star in the making. He's a star at 23 years old. Pro Football Focus had him rated as the NFL's number one cornerback through the first three weeks. And he didn't do anything tonight to, to not warrant that. Uh, you know, Matt LaFleur said, I don't remember any, any completions on Jair. I'll have to go back and watch the tape. But um, in terms of limiting this Falcons offense to look pretty pedestrian, what did you think of the job the defense did? And Zedarius Smith with three sacks. Yeah, I thought the defense was fantastic. And it's, it's amazing. You know, you, you, got, you solicited fan questions. And a third of them are, are negative about the defense. I'm thinking, man, I, kinda, I thought I watched a different football game than the rest of you guys did. <laughs> Um, Matt Ryan threw for 285, but there, I mean, there was a lot of garbage in that. A lot of garbage. In the, in the Falcons' running game, 3.1 yards per carry. Um, that's gonna. But Todd Gurley is no slouch. <laughs> he is no slouch. Um, and, and you and you hit it right earlier in this. I mean, Calvin Ridley, he entered this game leading the league in yards per game. I believe he was tied for the league lead in touchdowns. He was tied for the league lead in deep receptions. 0 for five. Um, yeah, I, I thought I thought the defense was fantastic, and I I'm not sure if it was with you or, or, or on some radio, but I, I thought Zadarius Smith was completely underwhelming for the first three games, and then tonight he we had three sacks, five quarterback hits, eight tackles. Those met or exceeded all of his season totals coming into tonight. A, a, I thought a, a, almost a dominant performance by the group. And I, I know you're gonna look at the yards and they gained 360 or whatever the Falcons ended up with, but. I thought it was really almost a dominant performance. Yeah, I thought I, I think the Falcons' offensive numbers are a bit misleading because, like you said, a lot of those did come in garbage time. Um, Zadarius Smith, you, you make a good point. Yeah, he had two sacks and that strip strip and recovery against the Saints, but outside linebackers coach Mike Smith values pressures more than anything. And the Packers were one of the worst teams in the first three games at pressuring the quarterback, something they did so well last year. Zadarius Smith pressured the quarterback more than any other player in the NFL. He was double teamed more than any other edge rusher in the NFL and still generated that much pressure. And I don't remember any times where he really was affecting the quarterback in the first three games outside of his his sacks. And tonight, he basically reversed the narrative on his season, saying that he is still one of the best defensive players in the league on his sack at the end of the first half. What he did to the Falcons' right guard, <laughs> and I won't mention the Falcons' right guard's name um, out of respect for him, but it should be illegal in all 50 states. And I got a couple of replies on Twitter from, from um, international Packers fans saying, yeah, that should be illegal in Brazil, where I am too, and that should be illegal in Puerto Rico too. I mean, he just manhandled him, and, and there's a billboard. I don't know what company. No free advertising. There's a billboard as you drive up Lombardi, um, that Zadarius Smith is on, and it has his sack counter. It says the number of sacks he has on the season next to the advertisement, and it's been at two. And, yeah, it's only been three games, but I, every time I drive by it, I think, 
what if like that that number two stays there for a couple weeks and i drove past it today and no number two was there but you know they're gonna put that back up and it's gonna say five and right now zadarius smith is tied for the nfl lead with miles garrett for sacks and robert tanyan is tied for the nfl lead with five touchdown catches i mean the packers just get contributions from guys all over the place and and Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Do you think that's what makes this offense so dangerous that it was Devontae Adams, then Aaron Jones, then Alan Lazard, then Robert Tanyan? Like, who's it, Bill, who's it going to be against the Buccaneers in two weeks? Um, Devontae Adams. <laughs> <laughs> Just go no, back I, and start, I, I, I start the cycle over? Yeah, I, I, uh, it's, it, it has been the player of the week, and, you know, at some point you're going to have to restart the cycle. Otherwise, I'm not going to go to Malik Taylor being the player of the week ever, but it is <laughs> – it is a credit to the, the, the quarterback and the coaching staff. And I have been a guy who, throughout my writing career, has kind of downplayed coaching, figuring, yeah, the, all this X's and O stuff is great, but if my X is going to beat your O physically, you know, kind of like take the eraser to your whiteboard and say, yeah, this isn't going to work, then I, I just think scheme is so overrated at times. But to watch what LaFleur and Rodgers are doing with electricians, I think, is what is that what you got on Twitter, the electricians? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it, it, it's remarkable. I mean, it's, it's a credit to a creative coach. I mean, we saw it tonight where if you don't have any receivers, fine, we'll, we'll put Jones and Williams and Tyler Irvin out there, which is interesting stuff. And you know, Rodgers got into it post game where you go that route. What is How is the defense going to line up? Are, are they going to go line up to play the run because you've got two really good runners in there? Or are you going to go line up to play pass? So, but because Jones and Williams are such good receivers – they can beat you either way you, you line up. So it's Lafleur's really got a, a good thing going right now. It's it's I didn't see this coming, man. I'm telling you, I, I, I was not totally awestruck by this group in training camp. Maybe, maybe you saw something different than I did, but nope. Um, I, I'm surprised. How about you? I'm not surprised that they're off to a fast start. I'm surprised it's been this dominant. I mean, they beat the Vikings by nine. They beat the Lions by 21. They beat the Saints by seven in New Orleans. Then they beat the Falcons by 14. I mean, we looked at this schedule and we said one and two wouldn't be a bad start with, with the Vikings, uh, the Lions, whatever. But then they have the Saints. Then they have the Falcons, who, who are always tricky with their offense. Then the Buccaneers. Then the Texans. Then the Vikings again. Then the 49ers. And we said, are we like, I wouldn't put it past the Packers to start three and five. Uh, mm-hmm. I I, w- I would not be surprised if that happened. And here we are thinking Buccaneers 
are beatable. I mean, right now, the, I, I, I wouldn't put it past the Packers to beat anyone. I wouldn't be surprised if the Packers beat anyone, not, e- not even the Chiefs. I mean, that's just what this team – you know how when you co- – I don't know if you've had this when you've covered any other Packer teams, but you just feel when a team has something. And I said this to Rob in the press box earlier. I was like, would you be surprised if we're in Tampa a couple months from now at the Super Bowl being like, how the hell did we get here? He was like, no, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> and like that, there's just that feeling around this team. I know there are still six undefeated teams in the league and we still got a long way to go. But after this bye week, the Buccaneers on the road, Texans on the road, who just fired their head coach and GM and Bill O'Brien, then the Vikings at home, then the four, banged up 49ers on the road. Would you put it past this team to be seven and zero? Well, that Niners game, I don't, I don't know, man. I mean, who knows what players they'll have? Yeah, playing. yeah. I mean, yeah. It'd be a, I mean, you know, Garoppolo and most of those guys will be back. Who knows? But it, it is such a matchup league. I mean, that one would surprise me, I guess. But otherwise, no. And who would have thought that? I mean, this. You know, everybody talked regression heading into this year. I mean, everybody did. I mean, yep. We did. The fans did. Vegas did. I mean, Vegas. Had like a over under of like eight and a half. I saw because yeah, they're losing because a they lot of money at, on that one. Yeah, I mean because of well, you can't replicate health, and which you know maybe you can't. You can't replicate turnovers. You you can't replicate winning all these close goals, the eight and one and and one score game. You can't replicate all these things. That's that's what we were told. Um, I, I guess you don't have to replicate close games when you're killing everybody every week. But every everybody thought these guys were going to take this big step back, and here we are where they've taken this. This huge step forward with this, you know, is beaten light into the ground. Where they didn't draft a receiver, they, they did nothing to help. They did nothing to help this football team apparently. And and here we are. You're talking seven and zero, and it's 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 not some pie in the sky nonsense, but um, fairly easy to see, honestly. I want to get your take on one thing that you tweeted about earlier today. Before we get to some of our listeners' questions, and that's how the Packers managed injuries to some of their key players entering the bye week. And I asked Matt LaFleur, might have been Thursday, Friday? I forget. All my days are getting mixed up now. But yep. I, I knew what he was going to say, but I had to ask, you know, does the bye week factor into potentially resting Devontae and, and Kenny, guys like that this week, to give them an extra week of rest? And, of course, he said no. It, it has no bearing on it, but... The Packers rested Devontae Adams, rested Kenny Clark. And listening to both of those guys talk this week, I would have put my money on them both playing. And Mm -hmm. Devontae Adams tweeted this morning, and I'm going to pull it up because I screenshotted it since he deleted it. At 8.40 in the morning, he said, Sorry, fans and friends, I won't be on the field tonight. I've done everything I need to do and proved I'm ready, but I guess I don't know my body as well as others. Good luck out there, my boys. Now, I haven't known Devontae Adams or covered him for as long as you have, but he is the last guy you would expect to, quote-unquote, put the medical staff or anyone with the team on blast on Twitter. And he did that. And that was a real tweet. And that shows that he was really ticked off and he felt he could play tonight. And I don't blame him for that. If you feel you're ready to go, you know your body best, you know, you have the right to say that and he deletes it because he doesn't want it to be a distraction and, and that kind of goes to show I guess the kind of guy he is but he was really upset what do you think of you know just knowing him 
and we talked about this. I thought it was fake at first when I saw it. I know you didn't weigh that option, but you know, what did you think of when you saw that? And tell us about what you tweeted earlier about kind of how Mike McCarthy managed some injuries to keep players a couple seasons back. Yeah, it was a 2016 game in Atlanta. Um, they had a handful of guys hurt. So it's like everybody who he wasn't sure could play, it's like he just shut them down. He almost treated it as a bye week and Roger. So, oh man, it was, you know, Randall Cobb didn't play, Jared Cook didn't play. Ty Montgomery didn't play, James Starks didn't play, Clay Matthews didn't play, and Demarius Randall and Quentin Rollins. And it was like, so Rodgers goes out in Atlanta with Jordy Nelson, Jeff Janis, and Trevor Davis as his receivers. And <laughs> I don't even know who his tight end was. It was, you know, it could have been, you know, Joel the Plumber. It was I have no idea. It was no one of consequence. And they almost won the game, but it was, it was almost as if, and of course McCarthy would never, ever, ever say this, it was almost like McCarthy said, you know what? We have so many key guys hurt. We can't win, so screw it. We're just going to just get through this game. But they almost won the game, and I kind of almost felt that way um, tonight where there's enough guys who are banged up, and LaFleur is, with, with the long view in mind, thought, you know what? Let's just, let's just get through this game. We've, we've, built up, we've built up some margin for error with the three wins. The division stinks. <laughs> Um, <laughs> let's take the long view. And look, I, th- I think coaches should always have the long view. No team has ever won a Super Bowl on, uh, what is it, the fourth, fifth, whatever it is. No, no team has ever won a Super Bowl the first week of October. Technically, it's the sixth because it's Tuesday morning. Right. But you can lose a Super Bowl on October 5th, right? So I, 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 I get it. You know, and that goes with the caveat. I, I, I'm not Devontae Adams' hamstring. I'm not Kenny Clark's groin. I, I, I have no idea. I'm, I'm not a trainer. I have no idea how those guys are doing. Um, but to, to my mind, which is, of course, why you were probably asked it, is that question on Thursday is you've got some margin for error built up. Are you just better off just letting these guys rest up and then taking advantage of the bye so you come out after the bye in a huge game against Tampa at full strength or something resembling it? So I, I thought he approached it the right way. Um, you know, how, how about you? What would you have done if you're the coach? Yeah, it's really tough. I mean, I was listening to AJ Hawk on the Pat McAfee show today, and he was talking about how Dr. McKenzie is always extremely conservative with clearing players. And I think the terminology AJ used was how Dr. McKenzie considers the person and their health far more than the team's success. And I guess that's a good mindset for a team doctor to have because considering the team success you you would think that you tend to push guys to play more and listen I don't blame anyone for being frustrated for not playing at all Mm -hmm. especially when this is what you do for a living and if you feel your body's ready to go you know your body best as Devontae said in his frustrated tweet you know you think you can go and you have all the right to be frustrated but they're 4-0 so no complaints there. If they had lost, you know, it probably would have been a different a different tenor to this discussion we're having. But they're 4-0 going to Tampa. And, you know, my best guess would be they have Devontae Adams, Kenny Clark, Mercedes Lewis ready for that game against the Buccaneers. And, and all is well down the road. So I know you had a couple questions from our listeners that you had pinpointed. Let's get to, uh, let's say, five before we get out of here. Sure. But, you know, you said it, though, Matt, though, as I get to my phone to look at the questions I have. Mm-hmm. Call up. Look at Julio Jones. I mean, he he had yep. missed the last you know, game in three quarters of the hamstring, and you know, obviously, it's a do or die game for the Falcons. Probably, he comes back, and 
there goes the hamstring again. So that's that's the the fear of of listening to a player who thinks he's healthy. You know, some, sometimes the player doesn't know best. And I'm not pointing to Devontae in this one, but you know, sometimes the trainers know what they're doing. Maybe All right. maybe Julio didn't come back out because the, he was traded to the Packers at halftime. <laughs> That'd have been something. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. All right, here we go. Some questions. Um, from Steve Perhock, I hope I got that right. Perhatch? Anyways, at what point, we got a whole bunch of these, but I'm just going to use Steve's question here. At what point will Dylan get goal line carries? People love A.J. Dillon, and I'm not saying it's not warranted, but the Packers have, I listen, I know they didn't convert on fourth and one. Um, it wasn't a very good play call. I mean, why are you in the shotgun on, on fourth and goal from the one in the first place? And Matt LaFleur took blame for that play call, as I expected him to. Um, but I, I understand A.J.'s physique is more imposing than Aaron Jones's and Jamal Williams, but there's nothing A.J. Dillon can do on the goal line that Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones can't do. I mean, you saw Aaron Jones bounce off a linebacker twice his size like a pinball tonight. Jamal Williams is plowing through guys every game. I mean, these are guys who can get you that one not one yard most times if you need it. And now listen, the Packers' goal line offense has been, for lack of a better word, piss poor of late this season. And, you know, if A.J. Dillon goes in there, does he get that touchdown? Maybe, maybe not. But I don't know that he's a decidedly better short yardage option no matter how much bigger his quads are than Jamal Williams. I will point out for people, and this is kind of more toward the Minnesota game back in week one, Aaron Jones did lead, did lead the league in touchdowns last year. Yeah. So while uh, Dylan has big thighs, um, Aaron Jones is pretty good at what he does. Yeah. So there, I, I, there, guess I, I guess I'm okay with that. I guess the Jamal Williams thing is a, is a, is a different thing there, but I, I, I'm not, I'm not too um, angry. I, I wouldn't be too angry about giving the ball to other people. Here's a stat from ESPN Stats and Info, courtesy of Rob Domofsky, our, our good friend. The Packers have run 10 plays from their opponent's one-yard line this season and have just three touchdowns. They have rushed on five of them, including fourth down tonight, and have just one touchdown. So does Ooh. something have to change? Maybe. 
for what it's worth, I thought Darius Shepard got in on the play before that. I yeah, thought, that was I thought, an interesting I thought one. he scooted on the ground and, and got on the goal line before he was touched. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah, I thought so too. But I mean, eight. He has to get in on that. You have to have, you have to have some sort of. A, a I'm not sure why he was on the ground. I, I don't think I didn't think it was a bad pass. You know, I could be wrong on that one. But I mean, you you got to score on that one, don't you? Yeah, you do. So here's right. one I, I got from Steve at S Lobenstein. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Chances Jair could snag defensive player of the year. The only reason I say non-existent are because you got to have the the name to to be in contention for that. You got to be a Miles Garrett, an Aaron Donald, a Stephon Gilmore, a TJ Watt. People got to know who you are. People not enough people I don't think respect or appreciate Jair as an elite corner. I'm not saying he is one yet, but he's a top 10, top 7 corner in the league. I mean, our uh, Mike Sando, great national writer for The Athletic, pulled a bunch of personnel people around the league, and they ranked Jair as the 7th best cornerback in the league entering this season. He was the youngest guy to be ranked that high. He's been phenomenal in, in the first four games. The thing is with him, and you know, this was why Zedarius didn't get any recognition last year was because you got to have the interceptions. You got to have the forced fumbles. You got to have the takeaways. And Jair only had two interceptions last year. He only has one and that sack safety in the first game this year. And there aren't many opportunities to make those plays if teams aren't throwing your way. And that's maybe the sign of the best cornerbacks. And teams don't throw your way. And people just don't throw Jair's way all that often. Yeah, you're right. And our business isn't very good sometimes, Matt. <laughs> you mentioned the numbers. Um, it, it is hard to get interceptions and they're not thrown at you. And it's it's you're, you're never, ever, ever going to win Defensive Player of the Year with one or two or three interceptions. And um, that is probably an old, not a good part of our profession. There are a lot of people who um, are voting for those things who, you know, I, I, I hate to come across negative. You know, look, people in our position, I don't have time to – I couldn't tell you a darn thing about the cornerback from the Rams. I don't watch the Rams. I have no idea. And that's so therefore we're kind of forced to use numbers as a crutch, right? Because I, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not watching film of all 32 teams. I, I'm not. So therefore it does become kind of a numbers game. And, and if you don't have the numbers as a cornerback, I'm probably not going to look at you. Now I, I look, I'm a guy who looks at pro football focus. So maybe that would help, but it's awfully hard without the numbers become that guy I agree that's a good point we'll see if he can put up some numbers in these next coming games and he has a good chance to face some pretty decent receivers here in the next couple weeks all right you got you got a third question I do and there's actually some news here I'm not sure if you're um I know we're all kind of busy but this is from the big fig are there any DL or ILB that could be targeted prior to the trade deadline. Any run stuffers? Now, there's some news out there, Matt, if, if you're aware of it. If not, I'll, I'll pass it along. I am, and, and I'm a little hungry, Bill. I could use a snack. Yeah, um, me too. Josina Anderson reported tonight, straight from the source, the source being defensive tackle Damon Harrison. Not that, fake news. Not fake news. That after he takes a visit to the Seahawks on Tuesday, he will be flying to friendly Green Bay for a visit with the Packers. Now, I can't tell you the number of people and all the awesome Packers followers and listeners we have that have asked, why aren't we going after snacks? And that's with Kenny Clark in the lineup, not without him as he's missed the last three and a half games. Um, 
What do you think, Bill, of a guy like Damon Harrison potentially joining this team to help stuff the run? Because that's what he's known best for. He's been one of the best to do it over the last, how long has he been in the league? Decade? Um, has he been in the league for, uh, while I look that up, what do you yeah, think 2012 his, maybe? I, gotta, I, mean, so I, have, I have a good Damon Harrison story here he's, too. But. He's 31 years old. He was a first team all pro in 2016. He's mainly known as a run stuffer. So what do you think of his addition? And let me hear that story. He'd be, he'd be a brilliant addition because A, for what he does, but B, you know, D. Lowry and Tyler Lancaster, and King, I mean, they're not bad players, but it knocks them all down just a little bit further down the depth, which means you're asking a little bit less out of them. You know, Dean Lowry's a good player, but should Dean Lowry be playing 30 snacks? Should 30 snacks? <laughs> 30 <laughs> well snaps? Done. Well I mean, done. probably not. I mean, so I, I think, A, he helps because of who he is, but B, I think it's just a domino effect, too, of, of you're asking just a little bit less out of everybody else. And, and my Damon Harrison story, the, the Packers under Ted Thompson never – ever signed for agents. Well, they had Jeff's, they, they brought in Jeff Saturday for a free agent visit, whatever year it was. Um, well, Thompson was not here for that free agent visit. You know where Ted Thompson was? Ted Thompson was at Iowa State. Damon Harrison from Division Three William Penn was working out at Iowa State. Now, I knew someone at Iowa State, and I, and I back I used to cover pro days back then. I said, who, who are the Packers watching? I mean, this guy worked at Iowa State. He goes, he gives me a couple Iowa State names. But I'll be honest, I mean, I'm paraphrasing. I'll be honest with you. He's here to see some big guy from Division Three. <laughs> so on the day Jeff Saturday was here visiting the Packers for a free agent visit, Ted Thompson was scouting a Division Three defensive tackle by the name of Damon Harrison. Typical Ted Thompson. Typical Ted Thompson. And could we see him in a Packers uniform the next time they take the field? That would be something else, wouldn't it? Yeah, you know, Seattle's so aggressive. You wonder if, if Schneider will even let him out of the building without throwing gobs of money at him. Um, That's true. You know, if, if you're Harrison at this point, you probably want to win, don't you? And Seattle and Green Bay are, are where it's at in the NFC. And, and guess what? He he'll, would he'll be, be playing. He'll be playing in the NFC Championship game for one of those teams. Yeah, he would just be a, a huge I, – I mean, I wouldn't – why he's unemployed now is kind of beyond me. Yeah. All right, let's get to one more before we get out of here. Here, here's one, and and I think this is an important question. One I've wondered: Where have the big impact plays from Preston Smith been so far? Why is Petten dropping him into coverage so much? Bill, I'll let you take the floor on that one first. Um, because Kyler Fackrell signed with the Giants, and somebody needs to do coverage snaps. <laughs> so look, Preston seems to like him. He was he was actually very funny about it on our on our Zoom call. He on, was yes. Here I am with you, Matt. I have no idea what day he talked. One of those days last week. He talked, on, he talked he on Friday. Yeah, he was really funny about it. I mean, it, it, to me, it wasn't lip service. Yeah, I like it. It's, you know, the kind of, you know, politically correct nonsense you got. I mean, he was making jokes about it, about being OLDBU for, um, and being a lockdown corner in and, and Preston Smith Island. I thought he was really funny <laughs> about it. But, I mean, he is, he is best going, and this is a Mike Pettin phrase, he's best going forward not backward, which is why Oren, Oren Burks has been working outside linebacker. I think the goal there is to eventually get Burks to take some of those coverage snaps. Yeah, I agree. I think I'd have to watch the tape closer, and I'd assume this is the case, but the outside linebackers, Zedarius and Preston, are getting a lot more chips and 
and double teams and, and help from sliding offensive linemen this year than last year. People know who they are. Zedarius is a better player than Preston. He can overcome that. And Preston hasn't been able to yet in the pass rushing department. I think it's no secret that Zedarius is a better player. And I think nobody should be surprised that a guy who had 12 sacks last year in Preston Smith kind of regresses in terms of production. And Mike Smith said the other day, we're not rushing the quarterback. We're pressuring the quarterback as well as we need to. People know who Preston Smith is now. Um, Am I saying that he's going to be like this for the rest of the season? No, but I wouldn't say it's reason for alarm yet. I'd say there are reasons for it to be happening, but you should also, as a fan, want him to be more productive. And you're right in feeling that. And I think the Packers will need him to do that if they're going to pressure some of these more mobile quarterbacks that are coming up. Jeez, I was about to list off the quarterbacks. Tom Brady, nope. Deshaun Watson, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Kirk Cousins. Jimmy Garoppolo, Nick Foles. All right, so maybe Preston doesn't need to pressure the quarterback anymore this year. All right, I'm about to fall asleep. Bill, I know you are too. Uh, Guys, we can't thank you enough for listening to us every week. As you know, you can read Bill on SI, read me on The Athletic, $1 a month. Uh, Money well spent, I would say. But we'll have some stories throughout the bye week. Get your rest. Mental health is really important. Get your mental health right during the bye week. Stress away from football. Uh, And we'll see you back here. We'll probably have an episode out during the bye week, but we'll see you back in week six for a trip to Tampa Bay and episode three of Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady. Have a great night, everyone. Thanks, everyone.